You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into your ears, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Ryan Andrews of jaysfromthecouch.com and Locked On Blue Jays, and I am still in a bit of pain from yesterday's dental surgery, not from yesterday's game. We will talk about yesterday's game, but yeah, um, thank you all for the well wishes. Uh, I am recovering from the dental surgery from yesterday. My right side of my face is getting a heavy workout with all the food that I want to eat, but you know, we press on because that's what we do here. For you, the fans, we deliver that Blue Jays content as daily as possible for you. So, I'm going to focus on last night's game and just more disturbing trends that came out of it, I guess. I mean, it started out so well, didn't it? We'll, we'll talk about what this means for Ryan Barucki. And we'll talk about what this means for the Blue Jays' bullpen. Ken Giles, another uh, another Ken Giles-like performance. So we will talk about that. But let's let's start with the hitters first. Because the hitters were the good part of last night. So just want to look at them right quick. Just get myself happy before we look at the pitching staff, which really was abysmal in that sweep by the Orioles. Like it was it was just no no kind of sustaining good there. So we'll we'll avoid that. We'll talk about the hitters first because the hitters had a good night. 13 hits off of Alex Cobb and the Orioles pitching staff. The down spots were the Cuban connections, Lourdes Gurriel, Kendris Morales, and Alebmus Diaz combining to go 1-for-13 on the night. And there were some good performances at the plate by people who are continuing to hit. Uh, Billy McKinney showed his back control with that sacrifice fly. He had a 1-for-3 game. Randall Gritchuk continued his recent hot streak with a 3-for-4 night. Devin Travis... Had a good night at the bottom of the order. Hit that 11th home run of the season off of Alex Cobb. So there were takeaways from the offense that were good. That again, when they face a bad pitching staff, they can do some damage. Just not near enough damage. Especially when the fielding just goes completely off the rails. The way it did. Last night for the Blue Jays, four errors charged to Blue Jays players. Randall Gritchuk, um just muffing a fly ball, which I, I don't know how you even do that. But, you know, it, it's like Teoscar Hernandez just body switched with him for a second. But, you know, that one... Didn't hurt the Blue Jays near as much as Ken Giles trying to grab a sacrifice bunt and just 
throw it away. <laughs> Which I I don't know if that's a John Lester <laughs> type issue with Giles, but we'll, we'll we'll talk about Giles in in the second segment when we talk about the pitching. But Guriel had another error on the ground ball. Uh, was number eight for him at Schwartz. And then Russell Martin at third base. Just, I don't want to say one error makes the entire season for him, but that was just not, that, that was not a play that a third baseman should miss. And, Again, it just made it so incredibly frustrating to try and watch the Blue Jays on that night where they just, you know, kept repeatedly shooting themselves in the foot. And you know that affects the pitching staff when it's on there. I mean, we've seen pitchers react to these errors and and they, they get flustered and they compound it. It's not every day a Thomas Pannone can go out there and shake off an error that puts runners on second and third. It does impact your pitching staff. It makes them believe there's there's not backup behind them. And for a team that relies on pitch-to-contact guys like Marcus Stroman, like Ryan Barucki, like Thomas Pannone, it can be incredibly damaging to know that you have to try and make your pitch perfectly, otherwise there's a good chance that they will get on anyway. And... Again, it's something that has to be worked on for this team because it just seems like at times the brain function is just shut down and all the fielders get sloppy. I mean, Teoscar has an excuse. He's been doing that all year. I don't believe that's that's the issue with him. But just when the Blue Jays lost that lead, you know, they built that early 4-0 cushion only to watch Adam Jones take it all back with one swing. You wonder how much that actually affected the Blue Jays seeing that happen. And and just they they're like, here we go again. You know. Just just let it go. And that's entirely the wrong habit to be getting into. And you see guys like Guriel making those mental errors like that. That's not something you can have going forward with this club it needs to be stronger mentally to be able to deal with this this losing and and move going forward if the astros lost a lot during their poor seasons but it did fortify them and make them stronger moving forward and i want to be able to see that kind of fortitude with the blue jays coming up especially these early ones like Guriel, like Jansen, like McKinney, who are going to be going through this rough patch and they need to come through on the other side stronger, especially the pitchers who we will talk about in the next segment. But first, just so all of you know, I've been talking about it all week, but it's important to know that, you know, in this time when fantasy football drafts across the continent are happening it's important to know who to pick and who is going to give you the edge to win i had one of my drafts last night i did pretty well for myself i i got running backs i wanted 
uh, like Chris Carson. I loaded up on wide receivers and I took a late quarterback. I took Pat Mahomes late. And you know why? Because I learned that that's what I should do because I'm checking out fantasy football 24 seven on the locked on podcast network. It's going to give you the latest trends, uh, the best roster moves to make. It'll tell you where to get the edge on your opponents. And they've got Ethan Turner on there who knows injuries inside and out. He's going to tell you who you need to sit, who you need to start. So if you're not subscribed to locked on fantasy football, 24 seven, do it now. It will help you win your league much like I did last night. Okay, so where where do we go with the pitching from last night? Because it was just miserable to watch. Like like it it was so tantalizingly good at the start. Ryan Barucki's just cruising, you know. He's he's getting his guys out. He's he's doing what he needs to do. Then you know Trey Mancini leads off the fourth with a home run, and they're like, okay, okay, one got away from him. That's fine, you know. Trey Mancini will run into one. But then it got to the point where Barucki just just started running out of gas. I, I don't want to say that, especially in the fifth inning. But it, it just looked like he was struggling to find the plate. And... You know, the the Orioles, if you give them fat pitches, they're still a major league team. They will still hit fat pitches. And, you know, giving up a hit to the number nine hitter Austin wins usually comes back to hurt you. And they they went around on it. Craig Gentry got on Mancini again with that sharp single. And then Adam Jones, who may be the most dangerous player in that lineup. Just absolutely tattooed that pitch from Barucki. And with one swing of the bat, that was it. That was, you know, that was the blow that killed the Blue Jays last night. And and you could see it just continuing in the next inning. Like, Ryan Tapera's out there called for another game of action and he just had absolutely nothing and he shouldn't be coming in in the sixth inning anyway but the Blue Jays have no choice because the bullpen's a bit shorthanded right now and Tapera lately has struggled to to even keep the ball in the strike zone and it's worrying to see a guy like Tapera have that issue where he can't find it at all like delivering a pair of wild pitches and just basically allowing the catcher Austin wins to score by himself, which how does that happen? It it's just worrying to see that kind of degradation of Tapera's talents at this point in the season. And again, it's it it makes you worry that. You know, perhaps Tapera should have been included in a sell-off at the deadline. See, see what you could have gotten for him. But he's he's prone to these instances where he just completely loses grip of the strike zone, and you know, it, it looked like he had it under control heading into last night. But because he was pitching on that no days rest after having like a few days off, maybe he just 
you know, couldn't feel it. Maybe it was because the balls were wet. We learned at the end of the game that the balls were like soaked in the umpire's bag. I don't know if that really played into it, but I mean, you know, it, it would be so Blue Jays to have wet balls just come back to hit them in the face like that. But, you know, it, it's tough to watch that, especially considering Tapera is like your eighth inning guy. And then you watch your ninth inning guy, Ken Giles, come out and be Ken Giles. He, he couldn't feel the sacrifice bunt. He gave up an extra base hit to lead off the inning. He just doesn't have the mentality to pitch when he's losing. It's like he tightens up and just gets so focused on on trying to minimize the damage. And then, you know, like I said, the errors do not help. Um, Russell Martin let that ball go go right through the wickets, and then. And then again, Giles himself on that sacrifice bunch is compounding the mistakes. And good on Tim Meza for going out there and cleaning up the mess. Second straight day, I get to say something good about Tim Meza. That's that's boding well for his chances of sticking next year and avoiding the Buffalo Express. But again, it's it's the kind of mental issues that are something that the Blue Jays really have to work on the rest of the season. And I'm worried that they're not doing that properly. And given John Gibbons is likely playing out the string and will be replaced at the end of the season, barring like some kind of mutual understanding that they're going for it in 2019, then you have to look and see who can be the guy to kind of firm things up a little bit and get Blue Jays players to focus and and be the players that they should be as opposed to just giving up unearned runs and and mental errors and just essentially beating themselves because that's what the Blue Jays did last night. They beat themselves. And that's not something you want to see a team do. It makes it very difficult to have faith in a team going forward. We will talk about one of those arms who will not be a part of the future for the Blue Jays and what it means for them moving forward and maybe a bit of reflection on their Blue Jays career after this. But first, again, as as we mentioned, Locked On is gearing up its football coverage. We talked about the fantasy football show. Uh, in the first one, and now we want to talk about the college football that fans can get on the Locked On Podcast Network, because it's expanding with more and more college shows. It's going to be launching with Alabama, Tennessee, Arkansas, Kentucky, your SEC teams, going to have Florida State, uh, going to have Oklahoma and Baylor for your Big 12 takes, Ohio State, Penn State and the Big 10, Oregon and the Pac-12, BYU, and there are more to come, so be sure to be looking for that on the Locked On Podcast Network and get what you need to know on your college football program or college basketball program. Whatever program you choose to follow, Locked On has you covered. All right, so the off-field news of the day is that apparently no one wants Jaime Garcia, and the Blue Jays have officially released the veteran left-hander, 
and it's probably going to be remembered as the biggest mistake so far of the Ross Atkins, Mark Shapiro era of the front office. Because I, I know people are going to nominate Kendris Morales, but Kendris has essentially been Edwin Encarnacion. Do the Blue Jays have the need for an Edwin Encarnacion? No, but Kendris has been that. So I would put Jaime Garcia above him because Jaime Garcia was just a train wreck for most of his tenure with the Blue Jays. He finishes his Blue Jays career with 25 games, 13 of them starts, went 3-6 and six with a 593 ERA, and he only got it down that much because he got in some relief work and was able to, to knock it down a bit. So he was not the solution for the Blue Jays starting rotation slot, and as they move forward with these younger guys, that became very clear. And, you know, uh, we talked about Jaime Garcia on this podcast last week. He had a very good August for the Blue Jays. He did not allow a run in seven appearances in the month of August. He brought his ERA down a full half a run, which is good. But in a season where the Blue Jays are turning more towards the guys in the system trying to figure out who can be a part of the future and who can be uh, gotten rid of. It was clear that the front office already made the decision to move on from Jaime Garcia. You're not going to need a veteran lefty if you're not in contention. So hopefully Garcia is able to work in this new reliever role, possibly earn a minor league deal next year like a lot of the relievers are nowadays. And come back and continue his career in that form. But it was clear that he was not offering anything to the Blue Jays other than just a lefty arm out of the pen. And why would you do that when you have a guy like Tim Meza, who is also pitching well and is more a part of the future for the Blue Jays? So, again, it it was a necessary move. It means Tim Mesa does not have to ride back to Buffalo anytime soon. Possibly Danny Barnes has got that ticket now, the way Danny's been pitching lately. He's he's kind of regressed a little bit. So, again, this allows the Blue Jays to get more names on the 40-man roster, like a Murphy Smith. Um, possibly look at some of the other names when September call-ups happen, which will likely happen after the Buffalo Bison series ends on Labor Day. and. You know, we'll get a look at some of the other arms that are in AAA that might be able to factor in. I'm expecting um, Taylor Grieri, who, you know, has been stashed down there all season by the Blue Jays. Uh, I would expect him to possibly come up and get a look at since, again, they have been waiting on him the entire season. And he's been dealing with injury woes. But he's, he's got the pedigree. He's a former top prospect. They need to see something out of him to justify keeping him on the 40-man rotate roster. And, you know, that, again, that's essentially what this is. It's why a guy like Murphy Smith is getting a shot with the Blue Jays. It's, it's just time to see what other people can do for this team, for the Blue Jays. And... 
you know, it's it's going to be painful at times. It was painful watching Murphy Smith give up three runs in an inning to the Orioles. And, you know, it, it will be painful again to continue to see that as, you know, names come through that probably will not be a part of the future. Like, you may see uh, a guy like Andrew Case put on the team and given a shot. Um, I know in talking with Ryan Miller, yes, he's still alive. He likes a guy like Jose Fernandez, who's been pitching for Buffalo. Uh, Connor Fisk could get a look for the Blue Jays. They still have Mike Hoschild on the 40-man roster. He could come back and do some long work. But that's the kind of season it's going to be for the Blue Jays, just to put these guys through and essentially see who they have. And Jaime Garcia, they knew what they had in him, and they didn't need it going forward. So, again, uh, a tip of the hat, farewell handshake to Jaime Garcia. You will not live on in the annals of Blue Jays history, but for your time here, we thank you for that. And we thank you for riding with us to the end of today's Locked On Blue Jays podcast. If you want to follow the show on Twitter, follow it at Locked On Jays. Follow the network at Locked On MLB. And if you want to follow me and get involved in our Fan Friday segments, you can follow me on Twitter at NeoAC18. That's NeoAC18. And we will be coming back with at least one Fan Friday tomorrow. Again, I still have all your stuff from last week when uh, when we were not able to do the Friday show. So I, I'm debating it, but I think that's what we might do is do like a couple of, of Fan Fridays using last week's stuff. And if you guys want to be involved in this week's Fan Friday, do not hesitate to hit me up on Twitter. I know there's not a Toronto game tonight, but we can talk about the Marlins. We can maybe reflect and you know see see what that trade did to the course of history whatever you guys want to talk about i am here for so hit me up on twitter and again thank you all so much for your support over the past day or so as i continue to try and talk with a swollen mouth which i think i'm doing all right but i can't really hear myself i can just feel my cheek against my gum, which is fun. But for anyway, thank you all so much for sticking with me. I'm your host, Ryan Andrews. Thank you all so much for listening to today's Locked On Blue Jays episode. And y'all take care.